I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, October 15th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll hear what Republican Tate Reeves and Democrat Jim Hood had to say last night during the second debate in the governor's race. Then, sexually transmitted diseases in Mississippi, and which one is the most prevalent? And after a Mississippi StoryCorps, a lawsuit is filed over a buffer zone established outside the state's lone abortion clinic. We talk with the plaintiff. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Two major party candidates for Mississippi governor faced off in their second debate in less than a week. MPB's Desiree Frazier reports. Mississippi's Republican Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves and Democratic Attorney General Jim Hood appeared live on WCBI-TV in Columbus for their second debate last night. The first question, increasing teacher pay. Mississippi teachers make on average $45,000 per year, about $5,000 less than neighboring states. Jim Hood. We need to pay our teachers to the southeastern average, which is about uh, 51000 um, You know, Tate Reeves has been over there for eight years and had opportunities to do that and, and, and has not done that, so it will be a priority for me. Hood says he'll increase education funding and provide free tuition to community colleges for students who can't get scholarships or grants, which could cost 6 to $8 million. Tate Reeves commends education professionals, parents, and students for increases in high school graduation rates and fourth grade reading. He discussed the pay plan he announced the day before last week's first debate. That plan includes $4,300 over the next four years, $1,500 in year one, $1,000 in year two and year three, and an $800 uh, increase in year four. That $4,300 will get us to the SRAB average within two years and gets us to the the average of the southeastern states uh, within four years. Hood blames Reeves for not providing needed funding for infrastructure and education. 
Because if our kids don't catch this uh, technology wave, this broadband effort, so that they can start these jobs in technology, they won't catch up this century. And that's what bothers me, for us to leave a legacy of all these tax cuts. We don't have money for roads, education, or schools, or anything else. And he's created this swamp. If I didn't know better, I'd, I'd think he was trying to audition to be Speaker Pelosi's chief of staff. Uh, the reality is that he is looking uh, to carry the liberal Democrat banner uh, into this election, and it's something that is not good for Mississippi. Uh, the reality is um, that I supported President Trump in the 2016 elections while he endorsed Hillary Clinton. Both candidates agree there's a crisis in mental health care. The state has been sued by the federal government for not providing more care in communities and relying on institutions. A federal judge recently ruled the State Department of Mental Health will be under outside oversight. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves. Those that are, are going through mental issues do not need to be locked up in jails. That's not fair to the individual. It's also not fair uh, to our sheriffs and to our law enforcement officers. I am happy, and, and I actually spoke with some people at the Department of Health today, uh, that they are putting together a new receiving unit on their campus there in, in central Mississippi. Uh, they have reopened the crisis centers throughout Mississippi. Attorney General Jim Hood talks about a task force his department created to help families with loved ones who need intense care. He also refers to more than 600 job cuts at the mental health department. You don't have to have a lawyer to have a child committed or a spouse. And that goes for drug and alcohol and mental health issues. There's a string of letters where I've sent over money to the legislature and tried to get them to put more money into mental health because I've been explaining to them this, this lawsuit cost Georgia $225 million. And instead of, of, of putting more money into uh, mental health, they made cuts. What will candidates do about the increase in young people leaving Mississippi? Hood said the state's economy is growing at 2 percent, which is far below neighboring states. He referred to his proposal for community colleges. We've got to cut the community college tuition so that our kids can go tuition-free. We want to put them on a tech skills track so that they can make those good-paying good jobs and businesses move in here. Tate Reeves agreed attracting new businesses is important, but he won't raise employers' taxes. The way for us to keep our best and our brightest here is to have better jobs for them, and the way to do that is through lower taxes, less regulation, and encouraging more entrepreneurship. Reeves said he's opposed to expanding Medicaid, saying it will cost the state $220 million annually. He wants to fund more medical school slots and rural physician scholarships while expanding telehealth. Hood claims Republican Vice President Pence expanded Medicaid in Indiana, along with 36 other states. He says hospitals will pay the required match and 30,000 jobs would be created. Two other candidates are running low-budget campaigns for governor. The general election is November 5th. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Come on, coming up, find out why sexually transmitted diseases are on the rise in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Sexually transmitted diseases are on the rise, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and Mississippi has the highest rate of gonorrhea cases. There are almost 327 gonorrhea cases per 100,000 people in the state. Dr. Thomas Dobbs, the state health officer, talks with MPB's Alexandra Watts about who's most at risk. Yeah, you know, it, it is a statewide issue. It does tend to be 
more impactful in, in certain sub-segments of the population, particularly along, along race and ethnicity. If you look at rates among African Americans, it's more than 10 times more common in African Americans than it is in Caucasians. Um, also within men who have sex with men, the rate of gonorrhea and chlamydia and syphilis is much, much higher. Why do you think in Mississippi the rates are so high? You know, there's a lot of reasons for it. Certainly, we've always had high rates of, of STDs. It's gotten worse recently. This is not just a Mississippi thing. It's it's a national trend, unfortunately. Part of the issue in Mississippi that really worries me is that we have really denuded our public health infrastructure. We have learned that when it comes to sexually transmitted diseases, people really depend upon the county health departments as a location not only for testing and screening, but also for treatment. And we've cut back on days of operations and, and limited some of the geographic spread of our services. And so we are going to aggressively reinvent invest ourselves in covering for these gap services that is not really being met in the private medical community. I, th I think that's one of the concerns. Uh, but also, too, it, it, it's a national trend. We know that there's a lot of um, unsafe uh, sexual practices, both in number of sexual partners and, and lack of, of, of protection. But that's nothing that's particularly unique to Mississippi. But then you also throw in the social barriers that we have in Mississippi, both with poverty, uh, lack of, of health care access, um, lack of, of, of good awareness of the risks, and it's a perfect storm for us to have the highest rates of STDs. Can you kind of talk about some of the misconceptions, whether it's risks um, for getting these diseases or just some misconceptions that people might have about um, sexually transmitted diseases, not just in Mississippi, but across the nation? Fortunately, most STDs like gonorrhea and chlamydia are, are treatable with a, a single visit to, to a clinic. And so that's true. One of the concerns about that is, though, is, is generation of drug resistance. We are seeing resistant bacteria in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, so it might not always be as easily treatable as it is now. We do know that people tend to underestimate their risks from sexually transmitted diseases. A lot of times, particularly um, men or women, can be asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic with chlamydia, and so it can be spread even among people who are not symptomatic. The other issue is, is if you get yourself treated and your partner or your partners are not treated, then the disease can tend to transmit back and forth. Um, and so you can almost go on indefinitely unless all partners within a sexual network get treated. Um, the other thing to be um, really worse, worried about is risk of HIV. We know a lot of people who are sexually active vastly underestimate their risk of HIV infection, and HIV is not curable with a single treatment medication. Now, it is preventable with pre-exposure prophylaxis medication if you're at risk, and we also know that there are effective treatments that will make people healthy um, and also prevent downstream transmission, but to prevent HIV, you really just can't get it in the first place. Would you recommend then that if people are sexually active, whether they think that they're at risk or not, to get tested for STDs? Oh, absolutely. If someone's not in a, in a monogamous relationship, and particularly if they have multiple sex partners, definitely need to get routinely screened for uh, STDs, both chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis, and especially HIV, especially men who have sex with men who are not in a monogamous relationship, really need to make sure that they are checked regularly for, for all of these things. Please know that you can come to county health departments across the state and get STD screening, testing, and treatment. So county health departments are still open, and we're trying to make sure that there's more availability to help address this very severe issue. Coming up, we'll talk about a new lawsuit over a buffer zone established outside the state's lone abortion clinic. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. How do you know if there's a God? Well, 85-year-old Alex Carrillo says he knows, as he explains in the StoryCorps mobile studio on its stop in Mississippi. We were all having beer at uh, a cantina, and uh, he comes this guy with uh, pork pork rinds, uh, and we bought some, and he he, he sprinkled hot uh, pepper seeds on that, and I put one in my mouth, and the uh, <clears throat> one of the guys said something funny, and asked. When when I started laughing, I I got that that uh, all that powder right in my throat, and boom, I couldn't couldn't uh, breathe anymore. So I ran to the where the cantina guy was uh, making the things, telling him how what happened. I couldn't talk, but I can mimic there then one of my friends came over he says I think he wants some water so he came out of water nothing then everything starts fading away and I said I'm dying I'm dying then I remember they grabbed me by the arms they were dragging me to I don't know where at the time and I could see the windows the windows had a glow coming coming from outside and I said this is death and uh, <clears throat> they took me all the way to the bathroom <clears throat> and they start punching me in the back but I wasn't feeling anything all I can drink I don't want to die in a cantina my mother was going to kill me <laughs> I want to get out of here take me out take me out throw me in the street and uh, all of a sudden a voice came saying, uh, tried to throw up. Well, I was with my arms up and my hands were next to my face and put my, my finger into the thing and I went, <laughs> and I could breathe. <clears throat> At the same time, I could feel one of the guys was hitting me in the back. <laughs> And all I could remember says, don't hit me, don't hit me. And another guy says, he's all right, don't hit him anymore. But I was breathing. <sighs> ah. You never know what sweet smell is or a urinal. Me <laughs> trying to breathe the best air in the world. I couldn't get enough of it. So I said, <clears throat> which of you? Uh, told me to to uh, try to throw out. And the other guy says, nobody. Somebody told me that. It had to be God. And uh, that's what convinced me. <laughs> there is a God. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. 
When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Abortion opponents in Mississippi have filed a lawsuit challenging a local ordinance that will restrict noise levels and require protesters to remain a certain distance from the entrance of health care facilities. The lawsuit says the Jackson ordinance unconstitutionally limits free speech rights as people try to persuade women not to end pregnancies. We talked with Aaron Rice, who's the director of the Mississippi Justice Institute, which filed the lawsuit. Well, our clients are engaged in quintessential uh, free speech. Uh, they're, they're engaged in peaceful, compassionate, respectful free speech. And this ordinance um, is going to inhibit their ability to do that. And so that's why we filed the lawsuit. It's a constitutional challenge to Jackson's ordinance. What activities are you arguing people should be able to engage in outside medical clinics? Yeah, so our clients are, are engaged in what's called sidewalk advocacy, And so they care deeply about um, this issue, and they've made it their mission in life to try to impact uh, the lives of women who are considering having an abortion um, and who oftentimes think that that is their only choice. And so our clients talk with them directly outside of abortion clinics on sidewalks, and they inform them about the options that are available to them and the resources that are available to them, and they, they try to convince them that they can be parents. And so, again, that's known as sidewalk advocacy, and this ordinance is going to make it difficult, if not impossible, for our clients to do that. Now, you say the advocates are talking with the women, but there are businesses complaining that it isn't talking, it's yelling, or that a lot of noise results. Can you address that? Well, you know, we can only speak on behalf of our clients, and our clients, like I said, are engaged in peaceful, compassionate, and respectful free speech. I will say this, though. um, If there are others who are not being peaceful or not being compassionate or not being respectful, um, there are other laws already on the books to be able to handle that. And, in fact, this ordinance would do nothing to really help with that. Um, So, But what it does do is it it makes it harder for our clients to engage in their constitutionally protected speech. When do cities get to draw the line, or where is that? line? At what point does free speech become harassment? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, very clear examples of exactly what harassment is. But, but you know, speaking with people in a public space in, on a sidewalk is that's quintessential free speech. And it's very important to a free society. And so we've got to protect that. We've got to continue to allow that, you know, regardless of what anyone thinks about our clients views, we should all understand that they're entitled to have those views, they're entitled to express those views, and, they're, and, and they have the right to try to convince others to adopt those views as their own. I mean, that's, that's just the essence of a free society. And so engaging in that, that kind of speech in a public place on a sidewalk is free speech, and it's not harassment, and, and, it's, and it's constitutionally protected. Where is the physical line with this new ordinance? How far away must the sidewalk advocates, is that what you're calling them, sidewalk advocates, how far away from the clinic entrance must they be? Yeah, there's several restrictions in place. The the first is that they cannot approach within eight feet of another person 
uh, without their consent for the purpose of engaging in sidewalk advocacy. So that that's a restriction on their ability to engage in these conversations. Um, and then they also uh, can't gather together within 15 feet of the, the property or the entrance of the uh, of the property of the healthcare facility. Um, so that and all of that uh, operates within if you're. If you're within 100 feet of a healthcare facility, then those rules come into place. Eight feet seems like a small distance. If we're talking about eight feet between two individuals, why yeah, is that disagree. out of the question? I would disagree with that. To have um, you know face-to-face interactions with people about, especially about delicate issues, um, I don't think eight feet is a reasonable uh, you know way to go about that. And and the bottom line here is that you know whether it's eight feet or, or any other amount of feet. Our clients have a right to approach people and have conversations with them in a public place. That That's just protected free speech. So whether it's 8 feet or 10 feet or any other amount of feet, we shouldn't be placing any restrictions on their ability to engage in conversations about important political and moral issues facing our state and our nation in a public place. If the person who they're trying to engage in conversation doesn't want to have a conversation mm-hmm. Then it's not a conversation. Yeah, and that and there's there's nothing. We're not saying that, that that person has to has to engage in a conversation, but our clients do have the right to speak and to try to engage people in a conversation. What's the next step in the process for you? Well, we are in Hines County Circuit Court right now, and we will be requesting a, a briefing schedule uh, for the case and then an oral argument for the case. Uh, both sides, uh, ourselves and, and the city of Jackson, will will brief their positions. And then we'll uh, hopefully get a ruling from the Hines County Circuit Court that strikes this down. But um, if not, we're willing to litigate this to the Mississippi Supreme Court. Looking at the calendar, do you know what steps will take how long? We really don't know right now because the judge in the case will have to issue a briefing schedule and and let us know, um, you know, when the judge wants each side to give their positions and, and all of that. And so, and then we'll have to, we'll need to wait for the judge to make a decision. So there's really no way to know exactly how long it would take, but these kind of cases, I would say, you know, you usually would anticipate at least a year or two. Aaron Rice is the director of the Mississippi Justice Institute. Aaron, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Karen. The city of Jackson released a statement from city attorney Tim Howard. He says the new ordinance is, quote, based on well-established case law and was passed after thorough consideration, unquote. Howard goes on to say, quote, we will do all of our talking where it counts, through pleadings and in the courtroom. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.